Okay, we're rolling now, so you can we yeah. can we can talk about that. So well, it's it's been a real Beyonce homecoming live week for old Kate. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a doozy. We can't. I mean, other than me like blowing your cover last time. Like my birthday? No. Oh. Uh, which I, oh, we didn't yeah. confirm anything. I just made a, oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a comment that you know will prove itself to be true in fun, one form or other very soon. I imagine in a public setting. Um, so you know, if you listened last week, you can kind of make inferences as to what exactly. Yeah, like you're just you're like setting it up. Oh yeah, no. It, well, this is like because nobody, I mean, nobody listens to this. Like you know, I mean, those are the only the most uniquely lovely people uh, in the on, in the world listen to this regularly. So those people likely has. already know some of the things that are going on. But in terms of like dancing around the thing that like yeah, it's gonna be more fun when it's like an actual like yeah. announcement. I, all this to say that um both of us have had insane, insane weeks nonstop and like like 2019 is just really I don't coming in hot the, the whole concept of this podcast was born out of kate and i not having anything to do yeah and that was literally other than the fact that ben and i were already hanging out together and already enjoyed yeah just shooting, goofing, around. goofing around shooting the shit making up silly jokes when no one was listening because then and then one night when we didn't have anything else to do, just recording it on my phone, which I may post some of those. I should have done that this week. I Fuck. Could. Yeah, because I have <laughs> some of that stuff to save to fill in. But yeah, this. So we started this because we were bored, and this and felt like, like a way to be productive. For yeah. Jobs like waiting for assignments. Yeah. Like Ben had what five projects that hadn't like yeah. that had been sold or were in. They, they, they like he's booked, but like whatever. he and Luke have written so much stuff since January. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh you know i man i stuff's blowing up but it's great the thing is is we didn't uh post this week because because so we, we're we, our bank is empty yeah we had to do it and As we in had la- no time like by the time this posts uh it'll be last week you get what we're saying yeah there's a, so we took a week off yeah apologies it's the first time in 2019 that we've ever taken a week I, off i will i will say this i today i got up this is saturday that we're recording this mm-hmm. i woke up on a saturday 11 no sorry 11 not 11 not 11 no 7 7 15 i was at my computer by 8 i took a break at noon to wash my dishes for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and make myself some breakfast got back on the computer back on the keys and the ones to one twos uh and i think i took i took a nap for like 30 minutes you did you called me to pitch me an idea and I called you to pitch you an idea. So that wasn't for very long. And that was at like 9 a.m. I yeah. happened to be awake. And I finished writing at like 8.30. I was like, that's a fucking 10-hour day. Mm-hmm. But I did it. And we you did, did it. it. And did life it. is and happening. And, and, and we're being this responsible is, This is now. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and we're now we're recording. We're Because we're, we're committed to doing this. It's, yeah. Even though we, we took it. a week off, you know. Yeah. That, oh, that was the, yeah. It's just that was that was a celebration, not a complaint. Yeah, no, and it's a, you know. So if you if you just joined us and you don't know who the hell we are, they, uh, uh, my name's Ben. I'm Kate. Uh, this is Cahoots. It's hey, hey. It's the podcast where we uh, goof off and pitch each other ideas for movies that are based on titles, and sometimes ramble about other things that are sort of the film industry related. And you know, yeah. So we, you know, I have a as Kate mentioned, I think previous episode, I have a movie in prep right now. Night House. I think shooting. Yeah, it's been announced. The uh, uh, the Night House or Night House, as I typically refer to it. Um, it's shooting in two weeks, three weeks. Rebecca Hall. Yeah, then we have nothing. Yeah, the only announcements, the only things that have been announced is that Rebecca Hall is starring in it, and David Bruckner is directing it, and uh, Keith Levine, David Goyer at Phantom Four are producing it um and it what's today okay okay no so we have yeah i guess it's just a little over two weeks before um before it cameras roll and so by the time this posts it'll be a week yeah yeah so so that's so that's been a lot of last minute you know uh i mean you know you guys know this when you make a movie no matter how perfect the script is and i promise you the night house script is so perfect it's so it's 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 immaculate i i read it i know yeah you know i know it's good it's good mouthfeel it's robust so good a lot of good strong tannin structure yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a it's a a, (laughs) but you know just pepper on the end just yeah just yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> just the in some end notes of black pepper. It's just leather, really, tobacco, yeah, yeah. Sh- pencil shavings. <laughs> but it's it's you know no matter. Ben how, and I had taken a wine class or two. Like yeah, we know a little know, bit about wine and we drink it on the podcast. Shout sometimes. out to James Suckling. Yeah, the, you know the real suckleheads know that that uh, you know. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, but you know you get it, you get it good, and you you think it's perfect and then as soon as you get a location that has a door in the wrong space or the you know it doesn't have an upstairs or you're gonna have to but it it's there's just a lot of tiny changes and um yeah and so it's like you're sort of you know like and when we like to do it this way and we're not i'm not saying anything that's gonna like you know i'm not talking out of school like bruckner if you ever hear this i'm not like sharing trade secrets (laughs) but like no i mean it's like you know so you you make yourself available to last minute changes and all this while doing like our normal work. And, well, okay. You know, so my, bi- my biggest, I, I feel like I always joke that I went to the Scott Derrickson school of film. Cause I have worked with Scott so much and I love him dearly. If he oh, ever listens for, we did three together, three. but I met him on sinister when I was storyboarding it. And, but then I stayed on in production and it was like, um, because, like basically to help the art department because I had art department experience and um but we were uh shooting in New York long story short um I I learned this is like where I learned so much of that because I had been you know sitting next to him drawing and then got to be on set and see these things happen but also got you know as a storybook artist you're you're that you get to see that like change exactly what you just described Mm -hmm. so it's like you're drawing scenes he would be out scouting he'd come back and be like okay we have the house now we know this this and this we're changing these things like can we redraw the you know you have you issue revisions and all that but then to be on set and you actually see things like shift even more and mm-hmm. it is just like it's this it's this like ever-changing blob that's yeah and i think that you know my opinion about it uh as far as what the role of a screenwriter is in that process is surprisingly not to pick fights with everybody and stick up for the things you wrote being the best possible version. And if you change one word, you're insulting my art. I think that's the wrong attitude for screenwriters to have, by the way. If anybody listening to this is thinks that that's the way you should, then I hope your name's Aaron Sorkin or David Mamet or something like that. Because otherwise, I don't think that you're going to survive. I think that like it's being flexible and... And by the way, those know, two individuals, there are other people in the room that probably have great ideas that could contribute yeah, like yeah. you know not yeah but there are people that you know that yeah, can command that kind of thing and no, like it's, you it's, know, a, it's, it's a, fine a, it's, that's one of those weird things i mean this is like it's funny because i mean any industry it's like you when, when people start idolizing people and putting them mm-hmm. on pedestals it's like suddenly they don't have to follow rules and people go like oh yeah well you can be you can write screenplays like quentin tarantino and use the word fuck and you know put fuck yeah you like can. <laughs> Lord knows I have. But yeah, I mean, we do, we all do. But <laughs> no, but but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you can put you can put references to other movies. Like Tarantino's famous for putting like oh you know uh, his girl Friday and like you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff like in the action and that's not something you most people should do. And it's like, well, the reality is is like I guarantee you Tarantino is successful because he also listens to people around him and goes like, oh yeah, you know that's actually a really good idea that that person just said. Like that's whether or not you know the thing is is like you don't if you're if you're like a a crew member i mean i i've given freely like ideas and thoughts and to directors i've worked with as a storyboard artist because a that's part of my job but like i don't get i don't don't now get like rating credit because i had like an idea for a scene or something you know what i mean so it's like good directors and i think producers and actors too it's like you look around you and you you see like what's useful and you know, you're, you're open-minded and you understand that like, like I met Mel Jones, who is a production designer. I are directed for a number of times. I always loved, she said one time to me, she's like, anytime you're in a room full of people, like there will be the best idea and it may not be mm-hmm. yours, even though you're the boss. So your job is to, to be making decisions that move the project forward, but to also, you know, have your ears open and listening mm-hmm. and, and be gracious and know, you know, create an environment where people feel like they can talk to you. And because, you know, at any given time, like it might be, you know, somebody else in the room who has a better idea. And like the smart leader knows that. The funny thing is to a couple things there. The funny thing about you saying that Mel said that, who I've never met her, but I've heard you talk about her enough at this point that like, I feel like I have, but it's funny. By the way, Mel Jones, she production designed Whiplash, oh, Purge. Yeah. yeah. Bunch yeah. Of, anyway. Well, she's, yeah. And in, 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 like, 
it's funny because I do find just in my production experience that a lot of times the person with a really great idea is the production designer. I find production designers to often be sort of diverse enough in their sort of skill set or their sort of like thought processes that, that they they tend to have a practical solution to things that aren't even necessarily related to production design. That's just a, in my experience. As far as going back to the, I think the role of the writer in pre-production and in production is to obviously they do everything you're saying in terms of being like a team player, but the writer is the only one that knows what the intention of a thing was. And that doesn't mean that the intention can't change because sometimes you you're, it's the discovery process. But when, at least at the beginning of the process, everybody has only this document called a screenplay in which the movie, which is a separate thing, but a related thing has to be made. And that like they, everyone reads something and makes their own interpretation. That's how like any kind of art works. But at the same time, there needs to be an intention that it's all coming from. And sometimes people make assumptions about what something means or what the value of something is. And then if that thing needs to change, it can get swapped out for something else or lost. And it's like, your role is to just be the sort of speaker to sort of like help them understand what was like, well, this is what it was supposed to be. If it's help, if we have to change it, then it can be something else that has that same intention or we reassess the intention or whatever, but nobody can say that other than the writer, yeah. unless the director already just knows the thing inside and out and has already like, had those conversations already. And so it's like, it's not to say that you're more right in any way or that you should stand up for that as like the only thing that matters, but you're the only one that can speak to that. So it's like, you're you're, you're a valuable voice, especially when things are in flux because sometimes, you know, they lose, the, you know, people can lose the thread when you're playing a telephone game between department heads and stuff like that. And like, you know, so it's like being helpful. And like, I, I do think of it as just like being on call. It's like, you know, it's like I imagine like what it was like to have a pager back in the day where you're just like, <laughs> that was what it was like, oh, I got to got to got to go do this thing. And like, that's and that's what that's what it is. And it's fun. But it's also like sometimes it means like not doing things socially or something or like just sort of going like, well, my <laughs> afternoon, like, well, I, I, I could I, okay, I'm not going to do anything because I, I think I might get a call or like he implied that there might be a call. And David Bruckner is a wonderful communicator. But like that's still I know that things move very quickly and it, you might get that like last second thing because somebody needs an answer if they got to go buy a thing or they got to you know this or that and, it's and like, you've had you some know. you've had some fun like calls from props and art department mm-hmm. and different yeah so. you know and if you and again you think that if you're a writer and you get the you're allowed to be involved in this stage of the process being helpful and polite and and hopefully you know you want to learn what people do you want to learn what is what is uh, the important aspects of other people's jobs and how your job affects it you know and like you you wrote this word in the script and now someone has to go buy something that represents that word now that can be 50 different versions a bottle of whiskey can mean a million different things and sometimes you're asked at least to sort of weigh in on what did you think that meant because they're they're still going to make their own decisions but at least like they want to get a sense of if if they missed the importance of something or something like that so it's fun it's cool i like it i want to say i remember uh oh i can't remember i i mean i could i could i have to like go back and look at this but i think I want to say Ethan Hawke in Sinister wears a Wesleyan shirt. Does that sound right? Is it Wesleyan he, or Emerson or? He, he, it's, it's, I think it's a reference to like a Brady Sinellis thing. So I think it's. He's got like a graphic shirt. But then he also It's has a college like a, thing, but I think it's like the college that. But I remember, I remember sitting next to Scott mm-hmm. when the costume designer like came mm-hmm. over and was like, okay, I want him to wear this and I want him to have like the. I, not like a tweed jacket with the leather patches, but like a sweater. And like, sweater, you, you could yeah. just, like, I remember, again, this was my first, like, experience seeing these kind of conversations mm-hmm. happen. And I just remember thinking, like, how, how cool that that's, you know, this is, this is it. Like, you're watching it unfold in front yeah. of you. And then you see on the screen, and then it's a wonderful, awesome horror flick that does it's great. And yeah. And you're just like, fuck, that was so cool to see, like, to see live that all every little decision out. that amounts to something being a good movie and and that you know each of these decisions are made you know with some sense of like good intention you know from the the people that's why when it's it's a bummer when a movie's bad and it's like you know we all like to clown on things sometimes but it is like you know no movie started with the intention of it being bad and somebody had to make even in a bad movie somebody had to make every one of those decisions and they probably all thought they were doing the right thing and it's like you know it's not 
it's cool when it works out. I'll say it's cool when you see it when you're when you get to see that part of the process, and then the movie is good, and you get to be like, wow, that decision accumulated with that decision, with that decision, like this color wall with that color shirt, with that you know those glasses or that whatever. It's like, yeah, this this is how a movie gets to be a thing, and then somebody had to pick each of those things. They don't just get teleported in from yeah somewhere. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know. So all that to say, so maybe we should go. Well, oh, so all to say that. Um, there's so much happening in Cahoots world over here with uh, Ben and Kate and yeah, uh, so Nighthouse is like the first thing we can talk about, but there's much more to a discuss lot, coming, coming down the pike. And and so, so I guess it just in terms of flagging it for, we're going to make every effort to not miss weeks. We're trying. We're going to make every effort for the, for the, you know, 25 of you that are on the edge of your seat. <laughs> uh, and, and I did get texts from Eddie Knight as being like, what the fuck, man? And like, I apologize. I blame it on you. Um. Oh, yeah. Blame it on me. No, for real. <laughs> no, I mean, we were both to blame, but I think I was like, no, I like, dude, look, we're both busy. And he knows that he was, he was just ripping us high it. But like, so we're well, going to we love that. Yeah. We no, love it's you fun. Ed. And we, so we have, we have a comment. We have old, the old cell phone recordings before. Uh, if you guys want to hear some ratchet shit. Yeah. No, there's some real goofy stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's, these are like the demo tapes. This yeah, is the early this days. Is, this you know, is, yeah, uh, this is where we're, we're going way back. So we, we, there likely could be some of those. There's the possibility that... It can't be held to the same standards, by the way. Cause, no, you know. although I think there's some funny <laughs> shit in those. I think there is. But And I'll clean up the audio as best I can. But it, So there's also the possibility of, of Skype episodes. We talked about yeah. that, 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 like where where we will be. So this is some foreshadowing of traveling. Yeah, just <laughs> telling you guys what to expect. We could, be in tra- we could be in different locations and try to do it over the phone or over Skype. Um which would probably be funny and awkward in a different way. Um, and then we we are going to make every effort to really marathon some episodes and have a bunch stored up for you guys to try to build up the bank again, because there's likely going to be a period of certain amount of weeks. I would, I'm not sure how many, because your plans are not, neither of our travel plans are set. Yeah. So it, it could be up to a period of a couple months even where we are not physically in the same location. So we're going to do our best not to have gaps, but you know, also guys, it's summertime soon. You're all going to be traveling. I expect that you will be listening to us less regardless, but or they will be more because they're on a plane. That's true. Or they're on a train or an automobile. Yeah, I did. I almost jokingly this week was like, what would it be like if I tried to do this by myself? If I had to, (laughs) like if I just like, I was like, is it funny or not? Like if I just like, did it like try to just brainstorm because i do that for my own stuff you know like when when i when the ball's in my court on a project with me and luke sometimes i will voice record myself like pitching around ideas so like we could get to some real dire shit where like if if, if it's it, just one of us talk- we could do we could do hilarious. individual episodes yeah chapo did that we could also do like i know they do and they i got we love them and mm-hmm. uh we love to see it and uh <laughs> we could but we could also do like kate and ben on set because that's gonna happen mm-hmm this yeah. year so hey join us Woo! yeah it would be it would be fun if if there was a overlap where we were in the same place in a different location and we did some sort of bootleg version like i don't know we'll, we're figuring it out guys it's it's i mean i'm okay so i'll say this i've already dared been to come on to the project be in the, the project so we'll see if it happens i'm like i dare you i mean it's 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 just a question of availability obviously i have no qualms. i mean he's hard like i i talk to his agents they yeah. just don't it's like his rate's too high he yeah. doesn't want to be an extra and i'll i you know i mean that's yeah so my my face could be coming to the background of a movie near you one day um but all that to be said let's cahoots yeah so here we are now if you enjoyed any of that yeah hopefully um, if you could i if you wanted you could scrub through it all and then get straight to the mm-hmm. oh, there's royal chiming in oh yeah are you did you have something you want to say no as soon as i point the microphone at him he doesn't want to no. talk so what are, what's our first first um, up well we had we had one that you texted me the other oh, day while you yes. were waiting for motorcycle yeah motorcycle, motorcycle milk. milk did you you said you had something for this well okay so this was this was i actually uh went to a coffee meeting three days ago Is it wednesday four days ago, yeah four days ago i think um met this was for work. I, you know, went, met to, met at a cafe, but I was, it was one of these places. Um, it was in like, it was part of town. you? I didn't know. It was at century city mall. Oh, that's funny. And it's such a like rich. So that's like, okay. So for everyone that doesn't live in LA and even people that live in LA, you're like, what the, what is Century? Like, how do I even think of that? 
because I still I've lived I've been here six years and I'm still like what is that place exactly Century City in general it's like where the agencies are it's where the like law firms you, are you know it's why it's the, all there why it was it was the look if I, I could fuck this up but it, it was where I want to say I could be wrong it was like the old MGM studios or something like that. Like it oh. was, it was zoned. It was an old, that with the space that is now century city is where Fox is. So like yes. that's, it's 20th century Fox. But so this section of land was zoned to be separate. It was, so it's, te- it's a it borders Beverly Hills. It's like, right. Yes. Like it's basically in Beverly Hills and it was zoned separately so that they could build like weird shit there or whatever. It's like there's high rises, but they're like, right. That happened in, like, after when they, I believe when MGM sold, all of their because MGM is just like an office in Beverly Hills now, but they used to have a, like a studio lot, which is what I believe Fox is now. But the rest of that was still part of like their their land that had been zoned for their ownership as a studio. So when they when they sold that, uh, Beverly Hills has a zoning law about the height of buildings, yeah. which is why Beverly Hills doesn't have skyscrapers. And that was like this weird loophole in the thing that you could actually build skyscrapers on this land because it had zoned been previously for the studio use. And so that's, it just became this weird little pocket of like downtown looking shit in the middle of like the West side, which is typically not like that. And yeah. so that's, they all like built those high rises there. So that's where you can have like, you know, so 50 law firms like, in a single building. It's a bunch like of that. law for, yeah. it's a bunch of like, it, I think not, not all, but like, a lot of entertainment law. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like, like CAA's over there, right? I think so. Yeah, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. CAA like is U- interesting. UTA yeah, is not yeah. too far down. Like yeah, UTA is in Beverly Hills just before just that. Just like, yeah. And, it's all, it's like, know. it's kind of that, like, I feel like it's sort of a hub of. It is. If, I always say it feels like the movie Inception when the skyscrapers just pop up out of nowhere. Because you're like, <laughs> if you're, if you were like walking from Beverly Hills, you just basically cross the street. Like, you. And then suddenly there's skyscrapers and you're like, this feels out of place. This feels yeah. strange. And it's, and it's like, it's like five blocks and that's it. Yeah. It's very strange. And, and, and then it's like massive hotels and stuff. And then you're just like, yeah, it's gone. And that's where like the Nakatomi Plaza building is and all that stuff like that. And, uh, like Italy, our Italy is there. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Central City Mall is like walk. a weird, a weird place that I tend to go there. My my lawyer's office is like a block away from there. So, so exactly. I so I, yeah. and this was the thing. So we met for coffee there. And so I, I, I this is like a meeting. And so, but but it was it's so funny because it's also just this is like a a very LA moment where mm-hmm. you, you go to order your coffee and they're like, what would you like? N- normal milk, soy milk, yeah. almond, almond milk? milk, oat milk. Yeah, oat milk's a new one. Oat, yeah. oat milk's the jam, I think. I'm I'm uh, totally on board for oat milk. I wonder um, if the production is more sustainable in oat milk. You'd think it would be. Well, and I just looked at the guy and I was like should we i was like should you and i just go into business and like find the next milk (laughs) (laughs) a good joke (laughs) and he and he was like yeah and then but then i like got i was like i'll take the oat milk i think Uh, sure and then i get my thing and i go sit outside and i'm waiting for uh you know my people to show up and my my people um (laughs) (laughs) but uh no i was sitting there and i texted ben i was like because we ben and i have talked about milk before um, so this is this is us revisiting old conversation, mm-hmm. you know here, but uh, we were we were I was like I was just pointing I was like so if we we're gonna do a new milk would it be like so because we were like we're we're working through all of our um you know things that we consume and like have to masticate with our teeth because we have to chew them but like what can we turn them into liquids so you're like like but you guys yeah. to a point where you start looking around and you're like i was sitting outside on my yeah. stoop and so i said leaf milk because there's leaves yeah, on the le- and leaves is like the first jump like that was right on mm-hmm. and then you start to go i was i was like in a mall so i'm staring at like this you know yeah like a glass freaking milk. zara or something across yeah. the thing and i was just like glass milk, milk stone milk and then i saw there was something that was a motorcycle. There was like a, like a true religion jeans ad or something. Or something. Yeah. And yeah. I was like motorcycle milk. And then that's when I was like, that's a cahoots. All right. I finally, don't know what it is. An hour in, we get yeah. to the cahoots. 24 minutes to be fair. Oh, well, that, that, you know, you know, people like to hear about our personal lives too. Um, so motor, lives. I feel like, so the motorcycle milk is that was the one to me that was like, this is a cahoots. And I think that because I have a couple friends, of course, all-star Annie um, mm-hmm. is from Wyoming and there's a lot of motorcycling. Yeah. So you do like a lot of, so I kind of feel like motorcycle milk is like about like a bunch of women who 
go on these like long motorcycle rides and they're like oh. they're like best friends and it's a generational story of like the great because annie my so my friend annie who's in her early 30s will go back to wyoming and it's like they do these family rides where it's husbands wives moms you know children like not children but like you know if you're over 18 but like babies on grandma grandma like yeah, everybody's sure. there and you're doing these like leisurely you know through the black hills just like mm-hmm. it's it's the the you know just that's their that that that's like their summers right so like this idea of like a bunch of i don't know i, I just can picture this like bunch of women who are like there's a grandma there's you know like the three generations or something mm-hmm. and they're doing this if, it, if it's like an indie film and it's um you know they're in wyoming or utah or something and they're like doing this run and it's like grandma mom daughter mm-hmm. and it's there it's like some generational story you know like they, yeah it's no. like so I, I don't know exactly what the the what's the milk what's the it's just the milk part that they're all like that i guess like, they're it, all they're, women it's I a don't maternal know. thing that yeah, they yeah, all yeah. like you know uh yeah like a breastfeeding i mean it's kind of goofy that it's motorcycle milk then but you know i mean i mean there's probably i'm trying to think of what that that actually though i mean that's a movie that could could I feel like that that could really do well. Like, you imagine three women from three different generations. Like, oh yeah, it's like it's like it's like Susan Sarandon and uh, 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 Amy Adams and um, you know, Catherine Langford or something. Yeah, and it's like it's yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't again. I don't know what the milk component is, but you're you've at least nailed a movie that people would want to see. Like maybe maybe the the like the younger girl who is okay. So it's like it's like grandma who's seventy. It's uh mom who's uh you know 50 and it's the daughter who's 30 and like she just had her first baby or something yeah this is what it so is so it's like it's she the, yeah oh you go okay. well no it's like she just had her first baby and this uh-huh. is like the first thing she's doing uh-huh after giving birth and so like i mean if you're gonna be literal about it then it's like she has to like pull over and pump in the middle of the this is what i'm thing. saying like, is that right? i think yeah. it's like it's like the idea is that it's a generational tradition that you go on this ride after you have your first kid which is so, like something that, yeah so so it's like so it's like the, the 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 susan sarandon like grandmother's like yeah so like after i had you know you like i did this ride with you because like you know it's like and it's like there's different reasons like initially she was like maybe she was in like an abusive marriage so she had to flee with her baby and just so her and her baby Ooh. had to go like and then she her motorcycle was all she had so she did this ride and then it's like, but then, you know, her life got better. She raised her daughter and stuff like that. And then so when her daughter had her first baby, it was almost a like sort of rite of pa- motherhood passage. Mm-hmm. But you then you now in this generational thing, you do it with your mother. So they do on the ride together. So it's like now that the daughter that's having, it's like, so when you were a baby, I did the ride with you. And now you're having your first baby. So now you, so it's like you get the three generational thing. And it's like they all do this sort of like, it's like a pilgrimage that you do. Um, and that, yeah, that's a cool thing anyways. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's kind of really cool. I don't know what the plot complications. I don't know. Would be. I mean, well, I mean, the worst. It's like I, Thelma and Louise type shit, I guess. I don't I, know. Yeah. Well, no. Or it's like the worst. I think what has to happen it just makes my heart hurt. But um, I think what has to happen is like you do the pilgrimage and it's a thirty day ride and you're going to go to Utah and whatever. But you get halfway there, and I think the thing is, is you set up that the the new mom, the younger girl, mm-hmm. she's postpartum, so she's like, I have to get away from my kid. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's like you, you kind of that, which is a real thing, right? And you just feel like frantic. And then she goes and, and they're like, we're going on this ride. And then halfway through, it's like the father of the baby like dies or something happens and sure, like, they have sure, to get back, sure. but they're still like a certain amount of distance and time or something. Yeah. And it's away, like, do you finish like, the thing or do you, yeah. yeah and it's or like a question like, of what's valuable to you and like, yeah. yeah. Or like, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of that that might become too like uh soap opera but like there's i think you're in that zone regardless and not in like a bad that. way yeah i think it's a, senti- it's it's a about... sentimental movie the yeah. way you cut it yeah motorcycle milk i was trying to think <laughs> okay is there any is there any is there any benefit to like it being like a illegal raw milk um uh trafficking ring run by biker women and that's like you know this is a totally different movie this is like the sort yes. of like oceans eight of like trafficking raw milk across state lines and somebody hiring a group of biker women sort of like you know i don't I mean, is there like a female's hell's angels or is it just hell's angels like is there not is there like a specific no there's i don't see, i don't know if 
I think women can be in Hell's Angels, but I might be I think wrong. they can now. I don't, I don't know I don't if know. they yeah. were back in the day. But like you know, there's like there's like 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 groups of like black motorcycle guys and there's things like that. So I don't know if there's a specific women one or if you just make it up for the movie. But it's like the idea that like like the Sons of Anarchy or whatever, which I've never seen that show, but I'm aware enough of it that like oh they get hired to do things or they end up so like this is the literally because it's a bunch of like, you know health food hippie people that want raw milk <laughs> in their commune or something like that. Have you ever had raw milk? No, I've never either. I, I I've talked to people that were really into it. It sounds disgusting. I'm also lactose intolerant, so making it more gross doesn't help me. Milk sounds gross enough as it is, honestly. Um, one of the craziest things I've and this, this I I just as I was saying this, I just stopped because I was like, God, I'm so like like white lady in first world country when I say this. <laughs> but but this was a crazy thing. Um. I mean, yeah. The, my mm-hmm. so I uh, went with my sister through security with a baby, oh, and yeah. it's at an airport, and it's like that's that is like a very yeah I've never done that. Wide, but part of what they do is she's, she's breastfeeding, and you have, um, you have to take apart the pump as if it's like you know a bomb or something that you're like like the whole deal like you know because mm-hmm. you all you, like with the. With the laptops, you take them out of the cases and mm-hmm, then do the whole deal. Mm-hmm. But like with the breast pump, you take it out of the bag, but then you pull the thing apart and they look at it and they mm-hmm. do the whole thing. And then, um, you know, you take the, the strollers, the car seat and the health. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just insane. And then you have to take all the milk out because you're carrying on the milk. And so she's, you know, pumping as well as breastfeeding. But you have to take all that. And they hand, they have, they hand litmus test it all. So like. Really? We're, so like. And, and this was the crazy... I did not know this at all. Oh, this is a whole... And I honestly, I had no idea this is how involved it was. So you're telling me it's easier to bring weed through the airport than breast milk? 110%. I mean, I've never done that. Ever. It's it's crazy. So I wouldn't know. And but from what you're are, describing, it sounds much the, more difficult than what I would imagine yes. bringing weed through the airport is like. There are, there are articles I've come across where it's like TSA being like, you have like they'll ask the moms to drink their own breath to like test I have heard of that never like, I have kind of weird that. Shit. Yeah, yeah but um yeah I went through the whole process was that gross or was that not gross conceptually I I wait drinking breast milk like the idea of drinking your own breast milk does that sound gross or not gross I mean I don't I will I don't, never have breast I milk myself want, so I couldn't like I wouldn't want to do it but I've heard you know I've heard people say that they tried their own just because they're like oh yeah I, why not you know, yeah yeah um sorry <laughs> no but uh but it was the craziest thing we did like we did the whole song i mean it's because it's like there's so many movies like i now have such a respect for moms but also just like my i love my my sister and i are super close and i'm like we got through the whole and by the way it was my sister it was me it was my mother and you know all of our luggage as well but all but, you but then the baby we weren't almost, I know we're just, I'm completely diverting here, <laughs> but we got to the end of it and I was like, wait, did you do that by yourself? And she's like, oh yeah, all the time. Like her with the baby yeah, and all wild. that. And she's like, they, they make you put your baby on the ground and do all this shit. And she's like, you always look for like a mom, a, a, just a lady behind you that'll hold your kid. Oh, like, sure. Oh, jeez. Cause yeah. you have to put your kid down to like do all this stuff. Right. Oh and like, God. anyway, cause they won't touch your breast milk. You have to open it. You have to do all stuff. And like, someone's got to hold your kid while you're doing it. It's like, it's fucking crazy. Anyway, point being. <sighs> You can, there's like a whole milk thing there going through an airport that I see mm-hmm. of some version. I don't know what it is, but like there, there's also that you can, um, if you are producing milk and let's say like your baby stops breastfeeding, but you're still producing milk, or maybe you had a baby and then the baby died, but you're producing milk, you can donate milk. So there's like a version of this with motorcycle This is where I was going next. This is the worst term ever, but it's, is it, what's, what's the term for, is it a wet nurse? Is that a real yes. thing? Where you can actually breastfeed baby? That's the concept of that. Yes. It's not just like a weird 80s porno name for something. No, because you can, um, and I, I theoretically, if you have a baby, you can breastfeed like and I say this in air quotes, but like indefinitely, like like and if, oh, as, as long, long as, as it's somebody's being stimulated, that well, it as would, long as yeah. yeah, as long as the hormones are there and active, and as long as there's a baby still eating, mm-hmm. like you can keep going. But the I mean, biological that's like, function will continue I mean, to go. Like yeah. I think, I think, but you know, obviously, 
per person and however that which is why know. people can breastfeed their kids until they're like seven and those like fucked up weird stories that you hear or beautiful sorry beautiful touching stories of people that breastfeed their children until they're like nine years old or we've all seen mad max fury road with the milkmaids yeah. uh my it was so funny because my sister like Sorry, Maggie, if I'm oversharing here, but Matt, <laughs> she's like, she's very good at producing milk. She's like, I, and she literally, <laughs> whenever she, had, like, uh, I went, she had her baby in October and I, I went and visited her. Um, and she was like, oh, I'm, you know, this is her third baby too. So she's a, to- she's a champ. And she's like, she's like, I'm so good at milk. She's just, you know, she's hooking stuff up and she's like, yes, this is, I'm, I'm all, you know, this is, we're going here. And then she looked at me and she goes, if I were in Mad Max Fury Road, I'd be one of those yeah. milk ladies. <laughs> like, she's like, I know exactly where I'd be. Yeah. I know who I am. Like, <laughs> I assume, I assume my sister is a similar, my, my, it's not a contest, but my sister has four children. So we're, de- we're, we're neck to neck. Like I, we got, we need to make one more. Yeah. Is it's, the point. I think just a match so that the Devaney's can, you no, know. but your younger sister had one. So you're being, yeah. I'm being outnumbered. I know. I know. I mean, I'm not going to make any jokes. Um, so, but like, uh, anyways, wait, okay. All that going back that I did have the idea of, of the not, okay. So there's the, the raw milk trafficking thing that didn't really go anywhere, but it's still a decent idea. But there is also something where it's a group of biker women who travel around providing those, the services to different communities. Like if you, if you created, it would be actually, you know what it would probably be? It'd be like a Western. It's not a bike. Like, so it's like, it's like you do the motorcycle thing, but like, I don't know when motorcycles are invented, but you do it as like a much earlier thing where it's like, you've got some like, you know, mining towns where like, you know, the men died, you know, sort of like um, in these kind of like old West kind of ways or so they're all the, you know, so the women dies. Something where like, there's a group of women that travel around like the sort of Pony Express or something like that, but uh, providing the services of, you know, like, feeding the babies or giving pumping the milk or something like that where it's like some sort of like they're like a milk delivery service of like breast milk as a roving group of basically wet nurses i guess that's a really (laughs) weird concept for a movie but somehow you could make that good yeah because if they're like badass biker women that like you know they're traveling a lot so they have to like defend themselves from like you know potential threats and stuff but the whole thing is that they go to towns you know and breastfeed the babies basically and that's like their job like that sounds kind of like a weird western anyways yeah like a, some sort of weird like revisionist like feminist western about just these like like there was the scott frank's tv show that was on netflix it's called godless with all the town yeah. women it's like some variation on that but where they're traveling around so like if you know we, we're going but motorcycle milk was the title they can still be on motorcycles and they can be a western in quotes and not necessarily take place in the 1800s but either way the sort of notion of that kind of like like a posse that goes around. Well, I mean, again, you know? like I brought up because my sister's reference of Mad Max Fury Road, but like that, mm-hmm. it's it's a bunch of people on motorcycles, right? Like yeah. women primarily. I rewatched that recently, actually. Yeah, I watched oh, the black God, and white cut. It's so good. Have you watched it in black and white? No, it's but fucking it's awesome. So, I know, I bet it is. It's There's such... it's it's pros and cons though. I don't think it's better. Although George Miller says that was his intention, like that was really? kind of what he wanted. Yeah, he does an introduction on the thing, but yeah, it's such a, that movie's like if you dissect it from a. Having been a storyboard artist for ten years, my brain breaks like watching some of those sequences. It just well, you, you saw the whole thing that that's they didn't even like have a script. They like kind of just like yeah, one storyboards. Yeah. Which I haven't actually. I don't know if they've like published that or not. I I do. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna out my friend, but I do have a. I do have a really good friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was when she was like an early uh like assistant, I think at an agency mm-hmm. and that it came, the script came across her desk Whoa. and she saw it and she saw like just pictures and stuff. It was before, I think it was even before he turned it into like a story, like panels mm-hmm. and things, but it was yeah, circulating. I think there was some sort of book that he was sending around town. And stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. And I think she was, it was before she became, uh, I can piece it together probably. Uh, Anyway, so she she was and she she like totally outed herself. She's like, was, I saw this and I just told my boss, I'm like, you know, I know I know it's like he directed the you know it's his franchise. I know like all that stuff, but she's like, there's just no way this is a movie. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And and she's like, boy, was I wrong. Well, <laughs> like, no, that's actually funny. I've been wanting to talk about this and I keep wanting to tweet about it, but it, it it's not it's like there's more of a conversation of nuance that can be had on this rather than a tweet. But like I was watching the movie the other day. It came, someone mentioned it 
somewhere maybe even on twitter or somebody and i mean i I own it on blu-ray anyways but i think i bought it before they released like the black and chrome black and white edition and so i bought it on itunes for that and i just kind of had it on oh i know what it was craig zobel i think tweeted that that in the downtime between directing movies he was just watching mad max the black and chrome thing on silent just like even more so like the sort of notion of it thinking of it as a visual you know it was storyboards and it's, it's this visual story that like the, uh, one of the you know Steven Soderbergh talks about it a lot about See, oh, all about, it, about watching crazy. things on silent and that's how you learn about no, but the Soderberg visual language. Soderbergh also went bananas over yeah. because it's, that's, he's because like I have no idea how wants. this got made. Yeah, yeah that's what he, you you want movies that are like look Soderbergh like loves things that look like they were difficult to make and he loves things that <laughs> that are visually tell the story and so the idea of like he did a whole thing where he released the first 20 minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark on like he put it up on Vimeo for free or whatever but with the color to, to put it in black and white and he put uh, different music to it so it doesn't have sound it just has like a so there's so it's a silent film with like I think he put like the sorcerer music or something on it and it's in black and white and he's like he's like the point is you watch it like this so that you can just analyze composition and visual language as to how the information is getting across and he's like that's how you learn if something's good so I think Zobel was probably riffing on the Soderbergh kind of thing and I was like that's a good idea Craig I'm gonna you know watch this and I downloaded it for myself and I was watching it and I was remembering like it's no one talks about this anymore but there was a period I moved to LA in 2009 and I don't know this is all available information so I'm just like paraphrasing things that I don't even getting right but there was a period of time where this movie existed like production you know famously started and got shut down and they had to move different continents or something like that but like there was a period of time even after the movie was shot that like there was no press photos and every time they ran a story on it on like IndieWire I remember somebody had photoshopped Tom Hardy's head over Mel Gibson's body on like a promo for like Road Warrior or something and that was the only so they'd be like oh you know update on Mad Max Fury Road it's now expected to come out at this time and they would have the same image that was just there they'd have a picture for the story but there was no they hadn't nothing had been released there was no trailer for the longest time and it was like i mean it was in post for like four years or something and i remember multiple times it would say like oh this new mad max movie with tom hardy and Charlize theron and stuff and i would i literally would ask my friends is like is this fucking real this doesn't even seem like a movie and it had it was like filmed already and it was just like there was no almost like you could hire a detective to prove this movie had been made and you couldn't do it. As far as the internet was concerned, there was no evidence that this movie was any real at all. And then it got like, there was like rumors that it was going to be a trailer. And I remember like, finally, I remember I was working in this casting office, the one that's on sunset down by where you used to live. And I, and I, they released the trailer and I went to the bathroom and I, cause I couldn't, I didn't want to like watch it at my computer and look like I was slacking off. So I watched it on my phone in the bathroom and I had to have it sound down so that people wouldn't hear me. And I remember just, even just on a phone, for the first time, when you saw those images of just like the mass amount of vehicles and stuff, I was like, and that wide shot with like the storm clouds and stuff. I was like, what the fuck? And so for like, it was like a, like a faith thing. You just, for like up until, you know, it was like three or four years of like, well, I guess this movie exists, although I can't prove it. And when you finally saw it, you were like, well, I guess it was worth the wait. And that it's still, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. That's not a good anecdote. I just, everybody forgets that that movie seemed to not be real and your friend that you were talking about was not incorrect to assume that this even after they filmed it it seemed like it wasn't a real thing. i remember doing storyboards with david gelb on lazarus effect and he mm-hmm. was like so what about this mad max movie yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. like 2013 yeah well that would have been right when the trailer went out yeah i think yeah yeah and because i was um, yeah i was working in casting when you were doing that stuff yeah and i remember going to see it and just being like all right great well i think i know what i'm doing tomorrow going to this movie again like <laughs> I never saw it in 3D, and I kind of regret that. I saw it in 3D. I saw it, and I went. I, back, I went back the next week and saw it again. Yeah, I was, I was just that. That that was like, as like as a director and as a storyboard artist, I just was like at the altar of George Miller. There, man, that's he's that was phenomenal. No, it's it's an art department. Fuck, like the oh, props it, and yeah, stunts. It's like like I, they just don't even unreal. Un, I don't even understand it. And I remember I I, I had a bunch of inside anecdotes because a buddy of mine was an animator on happy feet 2 which was in production <laughs> yeah. at the same time yeah, yeah. and they were doing it all out of george's so funny, office and so like the, the, it was like the post on both movies was like, <laughs> so he would sort of get little bits of things and so Can when he imagine? came back from australia happy it, was feet still, it was still years after that before mad max came out and so he would always tell me because i was like he was the one person i was like so that's real and he's like oh yeah oh yeah i've seen shots of it it's fucking crazy man i don't even understand what they did there he's like they shot that movie for so long and he was telling me all the crazy stuff like before it was in the press about the, the all the the 
wind storms destroying the sets and stuff and it was like i still was like well i, I hope it gets done you know and then it did and it was like yeah fucking well, I, you gotta love like when when they did the whole panel thing at you know comic-con or wherever the fuck they went and tom hardy's like I, I gotta be honest, I had no idea what was going on in those days. Like, I, like, <laughs> How I could just, you? like, like, George, I'd be like, George, what, what am I, what, what am I doing? Like, what yeah. am I, what's, what am I, where's my character right now? Like, I don't even know what's going on. Well, this is, that's an example of, and I mean, recently, and I don't, like, watching the, the last, the big Game of Thrones episode that everyone was talking about, um, the, ba- the Battle of Winterfell. But, it, like, but just, that was, that was, the, that was a recent time where I had the same thought of, like, on a pure production level, I don't understand how this is accomplished unless you storyboard it, unless you actually, and that's not surprising. I don't know how to say his name, but Miguel Sabacek or whatever, the guy that directs all the big game, he was a storyboard artist too. And it's like, yeah, because the only way we... to, to guide that kind of stuff, you don't have to have literally been one, but you have to, no. that's, a, that's, or a, you could be, yeah, it's, it's helpful. <laughs> I think to become a director, if you were a storyboard artist, you know, it's, it's a helpful thing. <laughs> Just laying it on real thick now, <laughs> but like no, I think it's just, it's just interesting when you look at these crazy productions and it does. There's there's a lot of ways to do things. Like I don't know if Spielberg uses them or not, but like of course he does. Like, you know, yeah, but you for that for those like you think about like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan and stuff, and it's like yeah, that is a lot of how that type of stuff is accomplished is knowing what it needs to look like. Unless you're willing to just go full gorilla style and find it, like you need to at least no, you have to. But here's the thing: is too many moving know. parts. Like exactly. it's too many. That's yeah. That's my you know. and that's the that's the. I mean the biggest movie I worked on was Doctor Strange and um yeah I mean you you have the expectation is that even in the most simple sequences generally like you, you know thing elements are moving cameras moving you have to plan that stuff and and you have you have a movie that is like 90% visual effects like everything is affected mm-hmm. almost like so you can't not know what you're shooting even simple stuff like even so yeah no it's it's um it's it's about it's funny it's it's, i think so much of filmmaking especially at that level is like it's about preparation yep and then disseminating information uh and then also on the day being flexible enough with the things that you can't do so. Yeah, and I think probably for some of those big things, there's probably an added element where there's like, you know, some fly on the wall stuff that randomly you find, and, and maybe yeah. you, you allow for that to be a thing. But I think that and like again, you can't. By the way, you have to prepare. I mean, here's you know? a good example. I can give you a great example of that. I was um, shadowing a director on uh, American Gods mm-hmm. season one, and you know, he was a cinematographer before he became a director, and like, but you could just in so he's he's already like in that language, and that's that's his background. So like. On set, he has this. It was it was um it was the big period episode. I think it was like episode seven, maybe or eight or something. I can't but remember. I, I, anyway, season one, but they were on a boat and they had this whole rig. Oh, and the whole yeah, thing yeah, and like, yeah. Um, and the camera was on a crane, and you know, you just you just saw him be like, okay, this is the starting position, and he could just look at the monitor, look at the set, look at the talent standing there and the actors and everybody, and then just be like, hey, can we move this here, move that there, change the light there, and, like, boom up. And, like, all of a sudden you had this – you went from being, like, just sort of a push-in on a thing to, like, this dynamic, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, rising camera into the thing and, like, a lighting cue. And you're like, you just saw – like – that was all right in that little tiny moment and it just mm-hmm. was a transition moment, but it all kind of came together because you're there and you know, you see it and you go, Oh, Hey, quick change. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, it's yeah. The, the lesson is not being rigid to things. But, I, one know. of the, one of the best, um, things I, one of the, one of the best piece of advice is I saw, there was, this, um, this guy who was, a. Um, a gaffer that I worked, I worked on like this documentary for National Geographic, but he had worked a lot with Ron Howard. And, um, one thing that he said is that, that Ron Howard told him when mm-hmm. he, when he asked him about filmmaking, so this is like very secondhand, but I always remember it, which is, um, so coming from Ron Howard to this guy, to me, um, he said, when you're making a film, the best thing you can do is make decisions. Mm-hmm. the less money you have, the faster you need to make decisions. Yeah. Bec- 
because odds are you can shift a little bit, right? If you, if you can at least order the greens to cover the swimming pool in the backyard, if it's not perfect, you can maneuver it. Yeah. Worst thing is that you don't make a decision at all. And now you like see a swimming pool and you don't want to see it. Like, so how can you, and that's across, you know, that's casting, that's camera, that's everything. So it's like make choices. Make and choices, that's, and that's honestly, honestly, that that trickles all the way down to like the 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 earliest stages. In, in this. So we're probably basically we probably this was probably a one idea episode because we ended up talking so much other stuff. But the, the last thing is about writing in specific is that like Luke and I have definitely found that you know when you're when you, you the you know you get a job or you're starting a new script and you're you know brainstorming ideas and you know something can be a million different things because at that point it's the cheapest decision making process ever is like you one word or the other makes no difference to anybody but it's still the same thing that it's like at a certain point you just gotta oh what's gonna happen in the third act it's like well just pick something make a decision just write to that and it'll change later if it sucks but it's like yeah like it's kind of the whole thing is that you can't sit there and just a sea of uncertainty and assume that something's going to jump out to you eventually if you sit there long enough. At a certain point, you kind of have to be the one to say, yeah, just do it this way. And if it's wrong, you'll know it. And hopefully, you know, up until the very last second, you'll still have a chance to potentially change it. And I think that that, that advice of just making decisions pretty much goes through everything. And sometimes that's the decision of what movie even to write if you're just writing a spec. Like, sometimes you got to just try something. I don't know. And by the way, when I was in school for architecture this was the same thing right you mm-hmm. just start you going like you like you start off going what's my what are my parameters like i have you know this size lot mm-hmm. like this is the occupancy group like that's no different than saying this is my genre this mm-hmm. is my market like I'm, I'm going for a horror movie or something like whatever and so i think i don't know how the fuck we got here <laughs> yeah we're just this is this a real, this is a real, real free form um yeah but motorcycle milk. Mm-hmm. Hey, it was it's a real yeah. winner. Yeah, there was. I mean, there's a there's a couple fun ideas for movies in there. But I think we did it though. I think this was. A, I mean, this is this is an episode that people either love or they'll be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to hear if you want to hear open ended vague anecdotes about Hollywood and things that we can't fully talk about, then this was the episode for you. Yep, and uh, next time we'll talk more about. Uh, movie ideas cahoots yeah or not or not maybe this is just you I mean, know hey yeah no we're promises gonna just do whatever the hell we wanted we're just yeah our fucking podcast you, is, listen, uh, you don't have to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> you can shut us off mm-hmm. all right well thanks well, for listening yeah, thanks, guys have a good night bye <laughs>